Welcome to the Dropship Podcast, where you'll learn how to build and grow a high-ticket dropshipping business and hear stories from successful e-commerce entrepreneurs. Let's kick this thing off. Hey, welcome to the Dropship Podcast. Today, we wanted to run one of our most popular episodes back here on the feed. We often get questions about niche selection, niche selection, market selection, whatever you're going to call it. How do you choose the person you're going to sell to, the products you're going to sell them? And we've done some really good podcasts on this. So what we want to do is kind of resurface some of those great podcasts once in a while so that you know, hey, here's where to find this information if you haven't scrolled back and found some of the gold in the past. So this is going to be a a three-part episode, which the first two are one episode broken in half, all about how John and I would choose a market and then what to do if you're stuck on that. So the next three episodes are all about niche selection. If that's what you've been wondering, how do I choose my market? How do I choose the person I'm going to sell to? Listen to these episodes. And if you need further help than that, that's what our five-day challenge is for. Dropshipbreakthrough.com forward slash five. You'll learn exactly what you're going to sell. You'll learn exactly who you're going to sell to and where you're going to find these suppliers for these products. It is $97. And in five days, you're going to know exactly what you're going to do and and be able to move forward and send us an email saying, hey, what do you think? This is where I came to. What do you think of this idea? And hopefully we can steer you in the right direction and and push you to move forward. So dropshipbreakthrough.com forward slash five is where you can get more information here. But sit back and enjoy these next three episodes on high ticket drop shipping market selection niche niche uh was was the term right and so i like that you're yeah. going with market in your course because to me it's all about the who but when you first start no one's thinking about the who they're thinking about how do i get money out of this how does how do i make yeah. my store work how do i get my first sale and i think one thing i've realized uh, over the long term is it has nothing to do with you it has nothing to do with your store uh, and if you focus on the who, if you focus on the people you're serving, it makes all of the difference in the world. And so uh, I'm happy to call it uh, people selection, if you want to call it that, or market selection, or niche selection, whatever you want to call yeah. it. To me, there's, I think we have, like, we're all the way down to the letter M here in notes um, as far as, like, A, B, C, D, uh, thinking of things that uh, of how we think about this. And there's, there's just so much to the puzzle. It's not just, um, you know... I don't know, man. I kind of want to shit on some of the people out there who tell you how to do it the wrong well, way. Well, I mean, look, let's let's be honest here. I mean, there, there was there was you know when it when it comes to courses and how people learn this stuff. I mean, there was there was the original course which is Dropship Lifestyle, right? I mean, there was some free shit online before that, um, but that was sort of the first kind of <clears throat> uh, organized sort of course on it. All the rest that people know about are, are exact copies, pretty much, of that program. Right, the people who started them all came from there. Were either employees of that business or students, um, and they really didn't bring, as far as I'm aware, anyway, into that and looked at their shit. They didn't didn't really bring anything new to the table uh, in terms of particularly the niche selection bit. And I think in where where a lot of those the the tension with those courses, I think, is that they want to make something that re- seems really easy, right? So people will buy it. Um, but at the same time, the problem with doing that is, is that sometimes the easy way of thinking of things is not actually the best way of thinking about them or gives the best result, you know? So I think there's two words you you can interchange there though. I often say this is easy. You might catch me on other podcasts saying this is easy. I don't understand why everyone does it. And I've recently really thought about it. It's not easy. It's hard. There's a lot of work here. It's simple. I think if you can break this down into pieces, it is very, it's a simple model. Yeah, 
oh, totally. I mean, as far as business goes and businesses that you could go out and start, yeah, it's a, it's a relatively simple business, business model. But yeah, totally that doesn't mean easy. And, um, but, you know, if you're somebody who sells a program to people who are, who are looking to get started in business, it's very tempting to make something seem easy because, of course, then more pe- you, would, you would think more people are going to buy it but the flip side of that is, is the easier you make something when it's not in reality like that, the less successful the people you put through it are going to be or the fewer people who are going to be get anywhere with it. Um, and so I think that, you know, how other people have sort of taught the whole niche selection thing is it's always about the product. Go and find the right product and then worry about the rest later. You know what I mean? I think that happens in Amazon FBA courses, yeah, all of the totally. quote-unquote guru, get-rich-quick stuff that, that we've gone through over the last five years. They, they do the same thing. Go find a winning product on Amazon and you know copy that same product. And I think that's exactly how I was taught in dropshipping too. Go yeah. find a winning product. Oh, yeah. And, and look, that's, that's, that was also the focus of the whole dumpster fire that was AliExpress dropshipping there for a few years. That was all about... You just got to keep finding winning products, winning products. And so all these people, and, and that got pumped really hard online, as you know, for a number of years there. Do you remember um, that kid in, in Hawaii when we first actually met each other in person? Do you remember that yeah. kid? Yeah, His he's phone a, was, he was AJ's business partner, man. Every like six minutes. Ching, ching. Yeah. Like, and he wouldn't turn it off the whole three days. Yeah, just uh, sat the there retreat. in the conference to ching. Yeah, what a tool. <laughs> he's sell, I think he selling, sold like sell, dog eyelashes or some shit. Yeah, yeah. It's like $10 products or something. Um <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, like, um, I mean, so yeah, everybody's really focused on the product and that, that can definitely, I mean, going down at that route in and of itself can often lead to great ideas, but it also leads people into a lot of ideas where the product meets the criteria in and of itself, but the rest of the market's crap and it's not right. And so you can have the right product, which on paper looks good, but it's really hard to sell because you didn't think about who am I selling it to? How am I communicating with them? What, are, what am I putting in front of them? What's the competition look like in this space? You know, how am I going to overcome that? Um, and without some of those bits, I think that's what leads people into picking a product that looks great on paper, but turns out to be, you know, a lot harder to sell than it should be. You know what I mean? Or, or then other options they could have found if they had a bit more of a nuanced approach to, you know, to their niche or market selection. Yeah, I think it leads people to putting products on their store that don't necessarily belong on their store either because they're chasing right. cash. They heard, oh, this sells well, kind of fits underneath my URL. I'm going to throw these on here too. Uh, I know I put out a call to to go buy some businesses, uh, and I had a lot of people reach out, and a lot of people share their URL, and, I, and, I, and I, honestly, I didn't find one worth buying, but there was a lot of people with six different categories on their business that didn't go together. There wasn't one person or or two avatars who would buy any of those six products together, and I thought that was uh, interesting that people maybe were chasing money. They, I'm not sure how they came to the conclusion they came to of of why they would put certain categories on their business. Hey, just want to jump in here real quick and say if you're loving this show, 
the number one thing you can do to help us out is simply go to Spotify or iTunes or whatever you're listening on and smash that follow button, that subscribe button, and leave us a review. It really does help us reach more people. And if you've got a friend that you know should be listening to this, send the podcast over to them. We'd love to have them join us as well. And real quick, two quick resources I have for you. If you want to join us in our free Facebook group, you can find that at facebook.com slash groups slash dropship tribe or just search the dropship tribe. And we also have a paid version of this podcast where you can get even more of John and I and longer form content. You can find that on Patreon at patreon.com slash dropship podcast. All right, back to the show. Yeah. And I think that what you just said kind of gets down to the, uh, one of the, the cruxes of it. I mean, it's okay to have different categories of products on your site. Like you don't need to have a super focused site. That's just about one type of product. But the key is if you have different categories of products on your site, they all need to be bought by the same, you know, the same customer, like the same avatar, the same ideal customer. Um, they all have to appeal to that same person. You don't want to be trying to bring in four or five different, completely different customers to your site. Because from a marketing perspective, which is what you get to after you've built your business, uh, it's really tough. You, how, you can't communicate to four different people on the same site. It's really difficult. Or, or in your emails or in your ads or anything else you do. You, you've got to be you know, laser focused on that one ideal customer and their, their interest, their passion, their, their whatever it is. That well, the this, leads to a de- this leads to a deeper question of what you're saying, right? So um, where we came from uh, taught us to have the most niche store you could possibly have, like as yep. niche down as possible. And as I've grown, they work. Don't get me wrong. They work uh, and you're able to really talk to that customer. But it's very hard to have a giant store that is super, 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 super niche down. And you lead to that. It brings you to that point of where, oh, I can't do X, Y, or Z that that uh, the e-commerce world is talking about because my customer only buys from me one time. I only have this one product, right? Yeah. Um, where I've built out some mega stores um, that are centered around almost like a topic or really a person what does this hmm. person also buy? And, and I know we'll get into that as we talk about this, but um, I don't know. Dude, I got about 8 million things to say. I don't even know where to start, John. How do we, how, like, how do we even begin coming up with ideas? Because I think you, and I know you love this topic, every course out there puts out a list of 200 ideas. And then you and I, as coaches and consultants, end up coaching people on the same 200 stores. Or as we talked about on my podcast, I think personally, I have consulted or coached with. 10 plus e-bike stores uh yeah i i've probably seen in my time in the five years i've been doing coaching at least 30 i reckon over and that, now. Like not, clearly- not all at the same time but yeah e-bikes is is usually i mean may, maybe not this year but uh for years was in everybody's top 10 niche in the top 10 of everybody's niche list right so yeah i mean people that put out those things i mean it's the stupidest practice ever i mean yeah it makes a nice little lead magnet to try and get people onto your webinar or whatever but the reality is if you tell you know if you if you're getting a lot of students and you're telling them oh you know here's the niches you should do what's going to happen of course everybody's going to pick ones out of the top 10 of that list right and then automatically everyone's just going into competition with each other for no reason other than somebody told them to. Like they don't even think about it. They don't even do their own research. They don't even work out if it's the right thing. They just blindly go, oh yeah, I'll do that because this uh, this genius told me to. Um, Speaking of yeah. that, I literally just Googled a genius, one of the five we talked about earlier and niche list. And immediately it shows up the PDF of uh, 
uh, of all of these. They're okay. There's some decent ideas in here, I guess. But, oh, man, they're just all so generic. They're not, like, I don't, I, you can do better. You can do way, way better. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, look, where you start off coming up with ideas, I mean, I will literally, I mean, for me anyway, I will sit down and I'll along the lines of what you mentioned before, I don't think of products. Like I don't go and make a list of products. Like I don't go and say, you know, surfboards, headphones, you know, anything like that. I sit down and I'll think about the, the people side of things. And I'll think about interests, passions, hobbies, um, or and that sort of thing. And I'll make a list of those, right? And once again, I mean, there's all different ways that you can come up with ideas for that. I mean, you probably know a bunch yourself, you know, you can look online. There's literally websites that just list out people's passions and hobbies and things like that, sports, whatever that people do. You build a list off those. Yeah, you can do things like look at, go down to the library and look at magazines, books, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's, there's so many things. Go on Amazon and look at book topics. Um, that's a good one. Uh, you know, there's, there's tons of different ways you can do it, but I basically just build out a bit of a list of those. And then... I'll look at those and 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 then I'll look within them and say, well, what products, you know, are there products within those interests that people need to fulfill that, you know, whatever that is. Um, and, you know, I think the other thing I like about that as well is, is that those products, um, uh, they're, they're like products that people want. They're not products people need, right? I don't like, I like to stay away from products that people need, right? Um, because usually when it's a product you need to have, like a bed, you've got to sleep on a bed. Nobody's passionate about that shit. Like, yeah, we all like a good bed to sleep on, but it's not like a, that's, there's not like an identify one identifiable customer that buys beds. Everybody buys beds. Right. So that's, that usually tells me if it's, if a product's like that, um, it becomes a commodity really quick. Yeah. It becomes commoditized. There'll be a ton of competition. Like and and look, I learned that from from even from my first, the first site I did. So you you know I I started off selling, um, uh, lights, chandeliers, these sort of things. Um, and once again, nobody's. I mean, there's some people out there that get passionate about the design of these things, like interior designers and that sort of thing. And I found that out along the way. But there are products that everybody has in their home, right? There's nobody that doesn't have lights in their home of some shape, size, or whatever. And so. Yeah, they're they're commoditized. They're super super competitive because it's such a massive market, um, and there's just nothing really from a marketing perspective to kind of. There's no one person you're trying to appeal to. So, and that was a really tough site to grow in the beginning because so I, of that. Because you just brought it up, I'm gonna, I'm just I want to get people thinking, right? So, like my brain immediately goes to how can you how can you target someone when you're selling those lights, like you said, right? So I would, uh, industrial is kind of popular in the US, right? And there's definitely industrial style lights. Uh, so could you could you target the people who are into industrial things and not just sell industrial lights, you could sell industrial railings for their homes. There's, there's different things for their kitchen that like people are gonna have a whole theme of industrial. And now you have a person to target who's gonna buy many different things from you. So now you're not just like calling all the light suppliers and listing every single light they have. You're listing very specific type of lights and very specific type of railings and different yeah. things for your kitchen uh, and you're able to uh, 
uh, really speak to that person because you know their wants and needs and desires and exactly what they're hoping for in their home and you can sell them more than one thing. And so I hope just that one little idea right there got your brain thinking of like why it's so much more important to target the who than the what. Yeah, and, and that's right. And in hindsight, that that probably could have been a better way to go with that particular space. Um, the problem is if anybody is in homewares and they're thinking about that is that like you've also got to watch out for trends. So when it comes to homewares, industrial is a trend like people don't stick to that one thing for their whole life it's good for a few years and then people switch over to oh maybe now hamptons is the thing or something else right so you you've also um, i mean i think homewares and that sort of design related things are, are the only real example of that but um you know it's just why it pays to think but yeah like it's a good idea and that would have been probably in hindsight a much more solid idea than just going well i'm just going to put on my site any single light i can find and have about 50 million different styles and all of that sort of thing um uh yeah but obviously when i started that site i didn't know any better and it still it still worked out for me in the end but it was really really hard in the beginning like uh, be, because, and, and a lot of that was because I wasn't appealing to any one person. I was trying to be like a really big, uh, a really big store. And, and, I, and I think that's where some people get tripped up as well. They're like, oh, well, you know, Amazon sells all this different stuff. So I can too. And the point is you're not Amazon. You can't, you're not a trillion dollar company, right? <laughs> you know, Amazon does what Amazon does because they're, because of their size. They didn't start off that big. They started off selling books. So who was their first target customer? Somebody who loves reading books, right? I mean, and that's obviously a fairly broad market, but still you can't start off as an everything site and expect to grow because you're one person in the beginning with probably comparatively very little money. And, you know, the, the only way you can do that is if you've got a ton of money, right? And uh, even then it's tough, you know. Well, I'm trying to think back to the beginning, right? Like I remember having a real struggle coming up with ideas, right? So like my very first store that I built was Brickfire Barbecue. Uh, I got too scared to call suppliers and ended up shutting that one down, but it turned into <laughs> a pellet grill site, right? And the only reason yeah. I had thought of pellet grills, and I really couldn't think of many other ideas, the only reason I did was my my wife, my now ex-wife, her uncle was the national sales rep for one of the biggest brands out there. And so every time we would go to his house, Everything was cooked on that pellet grill every time, right? And then he eventually yeah. sold one to her dad uh, and her brother. And so literally everywhere we ate, it was pellet grill dinner uh, on a Memphis pellet grill. Uh, and so like that was the only thing I could think of. Like I was struggling besides the list that Anton had put out, which is the same as every other list you've ever seen. Um I could not think of an idea. And so I don't know where some of these people, I, I know some of these people on this uh, patron list, but I know you know them, some of them better than I do. Um, are they mostly in the beginning or are they mostly you know, on their way, like, would they be thinking of a second or third store when they think of niche selection? Yeah. Most of the people that are, are our founding, founding members here already have a site open, um, at least one. I think most of them have just the one. So um, I certainly know some of them are thinking of a second store or kind of underway with that. And there's probably one or two that have multiple stores in there. Um, and there's I think one at or that two point, who are just getting can, started too. <laughs> yeah, because I think at that point you could think bigger. Like really, you can you can think bigger. You can think of those mega stores. Like I didn't start off building mega stores, but eventually I, I 
found a way and it's hard to describe megastores i I would honestly uh before the next show i will go look at whether i can talk about some of these or i cannot still at this point legally uh but john knows some of them and they're not like they're still targeting one person just that one person has many needs uh and so um you are able to build these bigger stores that have multiple categories and that same person who's going to go on their journey is going to buy one thing and they're also going to buy another thing and they're going to buy another thing and you don't have to be as as niche down as you know just selling pellet grills like i did in the beginning or i'm you know my very first store was 3d printers right i didn't sell anything else besides 3d printers and um it's hard to think about moving away from there in the beginning so it's great that we have some people on here that have been doing it a while because you can start thinking bigger when you understand the who whatever you're selling now that same person's buying other things that would probably probably fit under your umbrella yeah totally totally and I, I think you know i mean for me i think this this bit is the is the most important bit of the whole like criteria for for picking your your niche or your market or whatever um uh, but yeah i mean it's it's the i think it's the most important thing to start with because it makes some of the other things we look at a lot clearer you know or easier to identify whether you meet some of the other criteria if, if you're starting from this point. Um, I think I think for me, when it comes to like how do we even begin coming up with ideas, I'm I'm a big fan of like you, you don't need to be super passionate about something, but if you know nothing about it, maybe that's not the best place for you to start. Or even think of building a business inside. It's just life is long. Uh, and like, I don't know about you, John, but I, I like to have fun. I like to wake up thinking about my businesses and go to bed thinking about my businesses. And if I have to think about, uh, even 3d printers, I didn't know shit about 3d printers. They were cool. I thought they were neat. Uh, but I, I had engineers calling me who were talking engineer speak, uh, and looking for specifications on whether they could 3d print this, this part they needed in their business. And I, that wasn't for me. Uh, it wasn't something I enjoyed. Um, mm. Whereas since then, I've been part of businesses where it was like literally my hobbies. And those businesses were fun to think about daily. I also knew the speak, the language people used within those industries. And I knew how how they thought, like what, what, what made them uh, stay up at night. What were they hoping to do better in their hobby? I knew how to speak directly to them. I knew their problems. I knew their pains. Uh, and while you can go out and learn this and you can run... Uh, you know, do your market research and find those things out. If you're in that, if you, uh, if, if it's something you truly love, it's going to make your life a whole lot easier. And so, you know, think about the things that you do for a hobby. Is it woodworking? Is it, is it something else? Like you, there's probably something you do uh, where there's high ticket things that you can sell. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and and if, if, if you can do that, I mean, that's the way to go. I do know from, you know, from coaching lots of individuals though, that there's, you know, lots of people that also don't, um, have something identifiable that's going to fit with the notion of a high-ticket dropshipping site personally. So the way I come at it probably is a little bit different. And I say, like, if you've got a list of ideas and you're thinking about the ideal customer, right, don't pick something that when you think about it, you're turned off, right? So, for example, uh, you know, <clears throat> um, I'm just trying to think of an example. I know I've spoken to people about this before, but like, you know, if, if, if you, if you're looking at an idea and you're like, yep, uh, you know, you've identified a, a, an interest or a passion or something that a group of people have, and you're sitting there thinking, man, I just think that's the dumbest thing ever. I can't imagine why somebody would want to do that or would have that passion, or I just don't identify with, you know, that, 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 that customer in any way shape or form and the thought of talking to them all day long just puts me off 
then don't do it, right? Like it's it's just not going to be. You're just going to going to struggle with that because you, part of this is as you get into the marketing phase of your business is you have to be able to communicate with people, <laughs> right? Um, you know, if if you're talking about focusing on the who, then part of that is being able to communicate with them and and being comfortable doing that. And so. Well, it's, I don't think you need to love it or anything like that by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I've, I've never sold products that I personally thought were amazing. I mean, I'm just kind of getting to that now personally um, with a couple of ideas I've got. But uh, for a long time, you know, I didn't, I mean, I had passions and hobbies, but like they didn't really fit with, the, the, with some of the other criteria for high ticket products that you would sell or drop ship. So um, I've always done other things, but... One thing I know is that um, what's put me off is selling things that I just can't connect with on any level. Like I just look at them and I go, that's a waste of money. Why would anyone buy that? I think that's crap. You know what I mean? Don't do that. But that's just <laughs> like your opinion, that. man. I don't know. Yeah, but it me, is. it's more but, of the people, you, right? You, like, you know, no, no. Uh, I was partners with, with Corey on a business and those people are not my people. They are, they are not my people. And so, like, thankfully, I didn't have to do any of the customer service. But even, like, writing copy or talking to them or building ads or, like, ugh. It was just not my – like, I am not there, – there's some people uh, who don't want to spend a lot of money. And they believe that, you know, uh, not buying that cup of coffee for the next month, saving that $5 is how you get wealthy. That is not my type of people. Uh, and, and so yep. I didn't have fun doing that. It was – like, I – Still did all my tricks and, and, you know, grew the business, but like, it wasn't fun. And I, I trust me, you're not going to want to build a business. That's not fun for the next two years. It's going to grow no, slow. That's, you're yeah, not going to want to do it every day. That's right. Uh, yeah. It's not fun. That, that's exactly what I'm saying though. Like, um, this, this is why I see people burn out on these businesses. It's like they're, you know, they're putting in a lot of hours, a lot of work to build it. And if what they're talking about on a, on the day to day, because, for most people on your first store, particularly, you are going to be doing the customer service yourself for quite some time. And I see people, they're like, after two years, they're just like, ah, oh, I just really hate this market. It's not that necessarily their business is doing bad or anything like that, or they're not making progress. It's just like they're talking about something day to day they just don't get. And it's not pleasurable. And when you're starting one of these businesses, you don't have a big team of people to do it for you. So how connected you can be to it is actually really important. If, you, if you're having trouble connecting with it, then it's going to be hard for you each day to sustain the energy that you need to put into it, to really take it to its full potential. Um, and I think that's particularly important for people who are doing it sort of, certainly their first time around when, you know, you know when, you, when you get to your second or third site, you know, you've probably got some experience with bringing on a team to manage certain parts of it and, and you might do that quicker. So your, your personal connection with the business or your like or dislike for the, for the subject matter or the topic, for want of a better term, matters a bit less. But when you're first starting out, I think it's a big thing. Thanks for listening to the Dropship Podcast. You can find all the show notes for this episode at dropshippodcast.com. And if you're ready to take the next step in your dropshipping journey, we invite you to join us inside Dropship Breakthrough, where John and I will walk you through step-by-step -step in starting your own high-ticket dropshipping e-commerce business. But that's not all. Dropship Breakthrough will also teach you everything you'll need to know to grow your business and take it to the next level. So head over to dropshipbreakthrough.com and sign up for our free training that will help you take the first steps towards building and growing your own profitable high-ticket dropshipping business.